And would you please remain standing as we read together from 1 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 11. This passage serves as our reading of God's law. 1 Timothy 1, and I'll begin at verse 8. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Please be seated. So our reading of God's law tells us that, um, it tells us of one of the righteous uses of God's law. Um, Verse 8 says, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And what is this lawful use of the law? Oh, to reveal our sins to us. The law was given not for the righteous, Paul says in this reading, but for the sinner. The, that, that we might understand and know the sin that resides within us. And so the law of God reveals our sin to us. And the implication for the Christian is that when our sin is revealed to us, we'll put it to death. We will crucify our sin. We will mortify our sin. Now, John Owen was a 17th century English Puritan who wrote a little book called Of the Mortification of Sin in Believers of the mortification of sin uh, in believers. And a lot of people leave the of believers part out of that title. They just say, you know, Owen's book, The Mortification of Sin. Um, He's specifically writing about how believers, Christians, are to put to death sin. And this, so the the title of his book uh, describes very well the contents of the book. It's a book about how Christians must always be actively putting their sins to death. And it's in this book where Owen famously warns, you must be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And one of the points that Owen makes in this book is that we cannot uh, sin without consequences. We cannot sin without experiencing consequences. And that's not the way God structured the world. In other words, God did not structure the world so that we can sin without consequences, nor is that the way that God structures his people. So for for Christians, the ultimate consequences of sin have been fully paid for by Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean that we won't experience any adverse consequences of sin in this earthly life that we're living. Uh, If you're a believer, then you could rest fully assured that Christ paid the penalty incomplete for all of your sins, but there are still dangers inherent in committing sin. John Owen explains four such dangers. The first is the danger of becoming hardened. Sin hardens you against the love and mercy of God. Owen warns that uh, you must know this about sin and then take heed not to allow sin to reign in your mortal body because there's deceit in sin And that deceit will lead to a hardening of your heart against the love and mercy of God. Have you ever experienced seasons in your Christian walk 
where you feel far away from God? Have you ever been in a state of spiritual apathy where you read the scriptures but they don't make much of an impact upon your soul? Have you ever thought that other Christians are just getting way too excited about God's grace or about his mercy or about his love or about the atoning blood of Jesus Christ? If so, then this is probably because you had come under the hardening effects of unmortified sin in your life. Every sin, brothers and sisters, every sin nudges you another inch toward hardness of heart. And the reality is your sin is always several steps ahead of where you think you are. Your sin is several steps ahead of you or where you think you are. Which is to say, you won't perceive the dangerous effects of unmortified sin in your life until it has already accomplished a partial hardening of your heart. Your conscience will be partially seared. Your mind will be partially blinded. Your affections for the Lord will be partially dampened before you even realize what's happening to you. So the first danger to be warned about is this hardening effect that sin has upon your heart and your soul. The second danger is that of divine correction. Uh, Your sin may lead to God bringing his fatherly discipline upon you. Uh, The Lord won't cast you off because of the sin uh, that you commit, Um, even sin that you're refusing to put to death for a period of time. Uh, But he will, the Lord will visit you with the rod of correction. And even though he has forgiven you in Jesus Christ, the Lord will discipline you for your own good. Uh, This is because your heavenly father is treating you as his precious child. He he loves you too much to let you continue in the sin that you desire and long to commit. And so the Lord will bring his corrective discipline upon you, uh, making you, forcing you to make some drastic changes in your life. And this is mentioned here as 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 a danger only in the sense that the Lord's discipline is painful and unpleasant. The Lord's discipline is indeed painful and unpleasant, but we understand that his discipline is actually an act of his love and mercy toward us, and he graciously gives this form of discipline to those stubborn children of his um, who need to be trained by it. And so while we, while we call it a danger, in, in reality, it's a mercy and it's, and it's gra- his grace to us. Uh, the third danger is that sin will drain you of your spiritual peace and strength. Sin will drain you of your spiritual peace and strength. Your sin may bring about serious doubts concerning your own salvation. Whereas in times past, you may have walked in the full assurance of your salvation, unmortified sin will bring disruption to your inner peace. It'll create anxiety within your soul. You cannot sin willfully and recklessly without consequences. And those consequences very often disturb the peace and tranquility of knowing your position in Jesus Christ. And the fourth and indeed greatest danger of all, is that if you're willing to continue in your sin, then you may prove that you were never saved to begin with. While sin, even 
very serious sin does not necessarily prove that a person is unsaved. Continuing in sin without any progress against it stands as a serious warning. And here I need to, in fact, issue that warning. And so, dear friends, if you have pet sins in your life that you are unwilling uh, to put to death, then you prove uh, by your inaction that your, your sin has an abiding power over you. If you have pet sins in your life that you are unwilling to put to death, then you prove by your inaction that your profession of faith is not real. You need to be warned that the wrath of God is stored up against such people. You need to hear the warning of Romans 2, which says that the hardness of your impenitent heart is treasuring up wrath for the day of wrath, that the righteous judgment of God will render to each according to his own deeds. And to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, God promises to bring his indignation and wrath upon them. And he promises tribulation and anguish upon every upon the, the soul of every man who's content to do evil. And so, dear friends, if this describes you, if you are content to do evil, if you are not actively fighting against the sin that exists in your life, if you are allowing sin to reign over you, to have dominion in your life, then the warnings of Romans 2 are for you. Uh, you need to, you need to uh, repent of your sin. You need to come to the, Christ of, the cross of Jesus Christ, falling upon your knees, crying out to the Father to have mercy upon you through the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. Sin is like an aggressive monster. If you're not actively beating it down, suppressing it, mortifying it, then it will be attacking you. One of you is attacking the other at all, any given time. Either the monster of sin is attacking you or you are attacking the monster. And it'll prove harmful, if not deadly, um, deadly to your soul, if you do not persist in attacking this monster. But by the grace of God, you are not alone in this fight. The power of sin um, is strong, and yet the power of our Lord is stronger. And the power to kill sin comes from Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so if you're going to be successful in mortifying your sin, and if you're going to avoid the dangers that are inherent to sin, you must come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. And as Owen has written, mortification of sin, um, any sin, every sin, must be by the supply of God's grace. And so, dear friends, do you know that grace? Are you seeking that grace? Are you continually coming to the throne of grace, uh, petitioning the Lord for his grace in order that you might have victory over that vicious monster we call sin? And this reminds us of our need to repent. Uh, where the Holy Spirit has borne witness to you of your sin, remember that God um, graciously pardons all those who confess and repent of their sins while trusting in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And because repentance does include confession, we make a practice of confessing our sins. And so uh, in the next few moments, we're going to have time of silence. And during this silence, I encourage you to confess your sins to the Lord, uh, seek his grace, 
Call upon him. Come boldly to that throne of grace right now uh, in your private prayer communications with the triune God, uh, seeking his grace to overcome the sin that is inflicting you. And, and, and then after a suitable time of silence, I'll lead us in a corporate confession of prayer as well. Let's pray.